0: Welcome into the Week 12 edition of Betting Pros College Football Look Ahead. I'm Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. And joined, as always, by the one, the great, the only, mixing all the things up together, he's Thy Nordstrom. You can, find, uh, on, thigh, <laughs> you can find Thor on, I said Thigh, uh, Thor Nordstrom. You can find Thor on Twitter at Thor KU. Thor, what's up, buddy? What's How up, buddy? doing?
1: How you doing, Walsh? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I after the, the Vikings game we just watched, I'm I'm on cloud nine, so I'm and I'm excited to talk about the next week of college football as well. It's been a lot of good football recently, and we're gonna get more of it
0: coming up here. You know what? The only thing to mention though, we were talking about the Vikings Bills game, Justin Jefferson's catch, one of the best catches I think we've ever seen, but yep. also one of the craziest games. NFL or college aside that neither one of us have ever seen and then you cited that and I think that's a big thing for you to cite that never seen anything like that even in the college ranks where this is the type of stuff what happened with a on the one yard line fumble in the end zone Minnesota falls on it for a touchdown with like barely any time left that's college type of stuff that happens and that happened in the NFL.
1: Yeah. And then the yeah, that the, the, the bot snap on the other side from the inch line and then the Vikings recover and then they, the bills go down and they, they force overtime by kicking the field goal. And then the Vikings get the field. They should probably should have gotten the touchdown on the first drive of overtime, get the field goal. And then the bills were driving down. They had their shot and throw the interception at the end. It was absolutely wild. I, I was talking to a couple of friends afterwards. Cause it was like, when is the last regular season NFL game that was watched like that? And we couldn't, We none of us could put a finger on it. And so then I started wondering, when's the last time I have seen a college game like that? But it's like, when have you seen a college game that were with the botched uh, fourth and inches from the goal line to go ahead, and then the other team fumbles and the other team recovers, and then the, the craziness and overtime. I, I just cannot place in my mind the last time I've seen a game like that at any level. So pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and as I said to you, I said it gives you hope that you, uh, you're like, oh yeah, I haven't seen everything in uh, sports yet. I haven't seen everything in football yet, especially with so much with the NFL to college. I haven't seen it all. And last week we did see a whole bunch in the top five, no change as far as the uh, the top 25 in the AP voting, uh, no change, but the bottom half of the 10 is all completely new. It looks like uh, LSU jumped up to six, USC moved up to seven, Alabama has got the eight spot, Clemson with the nine and Utah jumped up to 10. And we've got obviously games and matchups with all of those uh any major takeaway from last week whether it's on obviously the betting side is probably the most important uh, i definitely cashed on tennessee but uh any major takeaways as far as some of the big rank changes or anything that happened last week
1: um the the big one uh, it was tcu i mean like that's that it's got to be the headliner uh, like nobody expected them to uh, well, i mean very few people expected them to beat texas very few people expected them to cover against texas nobody literally nobody expected them to win in that way right like every path you would have conceived for a tcu upset in that spot it involved a shootout so for i mean like you look up at the scoreboard and texas being blanked you know like i mean you know you know into the game or whatever and you're like why the defensive performance for tcu was was absolutely fabulous and they just found another way to win you know, I mean, th- th- there's been happenstance in some of the games. Some of the games they've won these these wild shootouts, and then in this one, their defense shows up and absolutely shuts down Quinn Ewers and Bijan Robinson. Shutting down Quinn Ewers is a little bit easier, like at this time, because he's just not very experienced yet. He's got all the arms out and everything like that. But we've seen other teams do that to shut out the lights on Bijan Robinson, like the TCU defense did that was pretty crazy. So for for, for me, that, that would be the headline of that. The other one is the doors wide open as far as the playoff goes. I mean, this thing is still up in the air and there's several spots that could still change. So it it sets up for a, a fascinating final two weeks of college football.
0: Yeah. And on the TCU side, I mean, you brought up Bijan, that was like the big focal point. So for them to do that, it really set the stage and like, how often do you also see what top 10 teams as a touchdown dog? I mean, how yes. often do you see that? Not that often. In it was TCU the biggest
1: underdog of an undefeated team this late in the season against a three-loss team in the history of college football. That, like, That's what's crazy about it, too. Like, like I said, everybody in the market was expecting Texas to cover. If not, they would not have been seven-point favorites in that game, and TCU overcame that as well as they've overcome everything else. <laughs>
0: Wild week. Well, hopefully week 12 has got a whole bunch more and maybe some non-sweats as far as bets go. That's what we're uh, obviously and ultimately hoping for. So this is going to be the early look, the very early look ahead look. Uh, You guys can obviously get more during the week if you are subscribed to this channel and obviously over at Betting Pros. So make sure you do so you get all of the info so you can get some of those early lines before things start changing. But let's talk about some action, some action action that's going to jump in a little bit early in the week. Um, let's, let's focus really quickly just on the Tuesday matching. Cause this is going to come up real quick. There are two games up and then we'll jump over to the Wednesday ones where we've got bowling green at Toledo. A seven and three Toledo, five and five Bowling Green. The line I currently see out there is Toledo favored by fifteen. I think you're going to have something to say about that. And then we've got Ohio at Ball State. Ball State, the Tuesday and champion here that we keep talking on them. Ball State five and five, Ohio seven and three, and Ohio favored by. Five. Four. So what do we got on these two games? Are there any good leans early on for Tuesday action?
1: Yeah, as far as my numbers go, we have the, a tale of two different games here where one of them, it was the rare occurrence where my number when I was, you know, I, I, I run my numbers early on Sunday and then the circle lines come out Sunday afternoon. So rarely is my number exactly spot on to the, you know, 10th of the decimal to what the Vegas number is that happened in the Ohio state ball state game. My line on that was Ohio state minus, or I'm sorry, Ohio minus three, three and a half at ball state. That's, that's what the Vegas number is as well. Ohio minus three and a half. Whereas the Toledo one, this is what you were referring to. It's, it opened at 15 and a half. Now it's down to 15. My line on that game is Toledo minus 18.7. When, when Daquan Finn was out before Toledo's quarterback, the market had adjusted their lines down Daquan Finn returned last week and maybe Toledo didn't look as explosive as people thought, but he's back now and he should be healthier for this coming game. So my line on that game is, is Toledo minus 18.7. So I'm showing almost a four point discrepancy in that one. Um, definitely lean Toledo in, in, the in that one. And then the other one, uh, my system is is literally showing zero value whatsoever, but I would lean in that one, the home team, taking the home dog with ball state I think they can do a couple things here that are that's going to give Ohio trouble. Ohio has one of the best offenses in the MAC and at this point they're moving in on one of the better offenses of the G5. It's really hard to stop what what they do on offense, but their defense is the exact opposite. They they just have a classic matador defense. Any team that you know with any sort of a pulse can move the ball on them. This Ball State team, they're not explosive whatsoever on offense, but they are efficient because they they have that sideline-to-sideline passing game with Paddock. He gets the ball out faster than any quarterback in the NCAA. Not looking to throw downfield. That's not what they want to do. It's just the quick hitting stuff. Ohio can't tackle on the perimeter – they also can't tackle between the tackles. And that's a real problem when you're facing Carson Steele coming up here. Carson Steele is one of the, not only one of the nation's highest graded, or one of the highest graded uh, running backs in America by PFF, he also has broken almost as many tackles as anybody. Like, he's in the top six or seven on that. I haven't checked the updated uh, uh, for this week, but he's certainly in the top ten for broken tackles. One of the toughest guys in, in America to tackle. I think, I think those two things could give Ohio a little bit of trouble forcing guys to tackle, either in space on the perimeter or bring down that the, the running back Carson Seal that I compare to Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights for anyone that, that, that watched that show. And then on defense, Ball State is one of the better defenses in the MAC. So I think the way that Ball State plays, it matches up well with the Bobcats in this game. So I'd be leaning towards taking the, the home dog with that one.
0: On and both those teams, by the way, Ohio. When we talked to Ohio and uh, Toledo, five and one in the MAC right now, best in the MAC. Uh, if we go over to Wednesday, we've got a three-game slate here for Maction. We've got Eastern Michigan coming to Kent State. Kent State looking like a touchdown favorite. Miami Ohio is going to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is a two and a half point home favorite. And then we've got Western Michigan. Going up against Central Michigan, Central Michigan, a 10 point favorite. So double digits here. So if we're looking for some action on Wednesday, where are what is an early lean for you for that action?
1: The, the Eastern Michigan Kent State game is interesting because earlier this season I mean basically ever since the when Kent State played Georgia we've seen inflated lines in the in I mean in however you want to say it, in favor of Kent State or against Kent State depending on if you're you're betting or not but the the Kent State's almost getting attacks every single week where, where you're seeing a discrepancy of three or four points in in, in the marketplace. And, and, and a lot of, like I had faded Kent state multiple times and won money last week. I didn't. And they, I mean, I, say it away. Kent state ended up blowing out that their opponent in that game. And so it wasn't a surprise to me to turn around and see a bit of attacks on this one as well. My line on that game is Kent state minus 4.3. It opened at, at six or six and a half. And now, like you said, it's up to seven. I'd be leaning towards Eastern Michigan in that game. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more handicapping on it. You want to get the pulse on both sides, but I do think that there's value on Eastern Michigan there. Um, Kent State, though, you do have to consider that their offense appears to have started to roll, and once that offense gets going, it's really hard to stop because they run at, at such high tempo, and they can both pass and run, so they keep, they keep you off the scent of what they're doing. But my early lean on that one would be EMU. The, um, the Northern Illinois-Miami uh, of Ohio game, Northern Illinois—they've th- had all those injuries and stuff like that—and it's been a super duper inconsistent team. And it's—it's it's one of those teams where you don't know the statuses of some of the players, like heading into the game, where you get surprise starts, surprise inactives, everything like that. So you want to check in on on that, you know, as far as that goes. I, I do like this Miami of Ohio team, though. Um, so that—that's a game that I'm going to be investigating a little bit more. M- my line on that game is Northern Illinois minus three point three. So, you know, my system's showing a little bit of value on Northern Illinois. I'm not sure I'm going to take it though, because I, like I said, I, I do like this Miami of Ohio team since their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, came back. And then the other one, uh, the Central Michigan, uh, Western Michigan game. That one for me, it's well. Did you say the line on that one? It's not I got up to ten.
0: S- yeah, I got it. Oh. I see it. I see it at ten, and and I see wow. that because your line versus the early line you put looks like there's some probably significant movement.
1: Significant, yeah. I mean that line opened at six and a half, so th- w- that thing has jumped up really quick. Um, that's one where it it hurts my heart to hear because I was definitely going to be leaning towards central Michigan. My adjusted line in that game is central Michigan minus 8.2, getting up to 10, that makes it harder where where the line opened at six and a half. That's absolutely the sense. You know, I'm, I'm taking central Michigan in that one. With it getting to ten, it becomes a little bit more precarious. Here's the deal with this one: Western Michigan stinks. That team is so far down. They seem to have division even within the team, with the coaches, stuff like that. Beyond the the you know the the, the talented it left last year. I mean, these last couple of years, you had like Caleb Ellaby throwing the sky more. You had a super explosive offense, stuff like that. Those guys are all gone. The defense has gotten bad. They they can't do a whole lot. I mean, their, their offensive line stinks. Quarterback stinks this year. The one thing they had was they had these two good running backs coming back. Jefferson, we got to check on his status because he missed the last game. Um, but, I mean, like, th- that was all they had. So, on offense, really nothing. And then on defense, all they have is a, the defensive line. It's really the, the only positive of this team outside of their running back room. They can create a little bit of havoc in the defensive front. But, they're, you know, you, you go beyond that, and their defense stinks. What, what I like about Central Michigan right now is they turned it over to Bert Emanuel Jr. at quarterback, um, who th- they wanted to retain the red shirt on this kid. Seems like Jim McElwain knew what he had in him. He got unleashed, unleashed, Bert Emanuel Jr. got unleashed in action last week. And, boy, is that kid explosive. Um, I mean, like, he is going to be a real handful for MAG defenses these next several years. Um, but like, you know, like I said, it's it's tough with with where that number, you know, getting at 10. That's where it becomes more of a, a, a tough one. But for me, I'm not betting Western Michigan in that spot at all. Um, I, I don't really care what the line is. So for me, that one would be Central Michigan or pass.
0: Well, maybe you guys have got your um, action set and you're going to put a bunch of wagers down and you want to track all those wagers. Well, if you want to track them all, you can do it with Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit and which miss, which hopefully none do, and gives you a live look at what the public is doing. So you can use real time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we have to offer over at bettingpros.com-pick or slash dash pick dash tracking. You got it. You got it. Bettingpros.com pick tracking. Go and pick it up today. Get all your bets in, especially uh, those maxin bets. You can get them all in one place. All right, let's talk about. Um, let's get into some of the rank games. We have one rank game during the week, and it's on Thursday. We've got SMU coming up against Tulane. Tulane's 8-2 and two right now. They're 21st in the nation. And uh, you're going to be coming off of some action betting. This is your uh, one-ranked game before Saturday. So what do you got here, Thor? Yeah, the, the, what's the, the live line on this one? All right, so the line I've got here is Tulane minus 3 at home. Rank Tulane. Yeah. Minus three at home. Hmm.
1: That's yeah. It's it's kind of interesting. My line in that game is Tulane minus four point seven. Uh, especially with where that line is, I'm absolutely leaning towards Tulane in it in, in that game. It seems like that's come down a little bit because Tulane lost on Saturday to UCF. They kept it, you know, close, but they didn't cover they they didn't win. They lost by a touchdown. And then SMU, they they beat South Florida last time out. Um, SMU should not have covered that that South Florida game, by the way. That was that was one of the worst beats I've taken all year, where South Florida had gotten down by 18 I had plus I 17 and a half, but they wanted to go for two at the end. They didn't get the two-point conversion, lost by 18. Um, but it, SMU, they, they have the explosive offense for sure, but Tulane sort of has a trump card here because their defense is one of the best in the G5, and they, they can uh, oppose you both against the run and the pass. And Tulane's offense, they can also do both things and be multiple. I, I see SMU as more of a one-trick pony, and I, I think that Tulane can address that trick. I like Tulane, especially with where that line is, and I, w- I would take it at three you know, on, on the off chance that it moves
0: up to three and a half or four, I I would want that at three. Is it a little fishy at all that it's a home ranked only by a field goal favorite, or do you think that's SMU's offense coming into play?
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't personally, uh, because I mean, a couple weeks ago, SMU dropped 77 points on Houston last week. I mean, at least by the, the scoreboard, you know, they, they won by 18 or whatever. So it looks like SMU, I mean, from, you know, just sort of looking over the stuff like they're ascending and they're playing well or whatever. Whereas Tulane last week, some people trusted them at home against UCF and then they ended up losing, but to me, that's what's informing, you know, what's a, a basically a point and a half at the line value. I think it's just perceptual based on, the, you know, the, w- what happened these past couple of days. And I, I, I'm i going to take advantage of that and, and bet on
0: Tulane. All right. We'll move over to Saturday where we've got all the good action. Number one, Georgia, they're 10-0. and 0. They're going to be facing off against Kentucky in an SEC matchup who's 6-4. and four. Georgia's coming off a 45-19 win over Mississippi State sec action georgia is there a georgia bet for us here thor man it's
1: it, it would be hard to bet kentucky at this point uh we've we've seen will Levis now down a couple of big spots and a couple of, um, small spots and vanderbilt should not have been a big spot and he has struggled mightily the vanderbilt game was where i was like really expecting levis to have like the sort of resurgent game and you, you you know you put up video game numbers against this crappy defense obviously that did not happen the rest of the Kentucky offense, like I, once we get to draft season, I'm not going to accept from people the, the idea that Will Levis did not have talent around him. Chris Rodriguez is a fabulous running back and he helps keep them out of the third and long situations that Levis doesn't want to be in. But Levis is just struggling right now. He's struggling with his decision-making. He's struggling with his placement. He's struggling with his accuracy. All the tools are there for sure. I mean, so if you got the A-plus Will Levis game here – like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like the Anthony Richardson game against Utah. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky's going to cover. But it's like, what are the odds of that? And if not, Georgia's going to be able to shut down. Yeah, I mean, like, Georgia's nasty front seven. They're going to be able to address Rodriguez. So the path for Kentucky, it all goes through Levis. And anyone that's watched Levis this year would be a little bit concerned about that. I'm not showing a ton of line value on this. Uh, my my line in that game is is Georgia minus 21.6. Um, but for me, that would have to be Georgia or pass.
0: Yeah, and it looks like the line's already moved up uh, to 22 and a half is mm, what I'm seeing. Not right a surprise. Now in Georgia. Yeah, so yeah. it's probably not something you're going to want to jump in uh, earlier, maybe whatsoever. All right, so let's move to the next game where you've got number two, Ohio State, also 10 and 0 coming up against Maryland, who's six and four. Ohio State is coming off of a 56-14 win over Indiana. And I saw this over on uh, ESPN on one of their article setups on the top uh, 25, so I don't want to take credit for it, but I thought this was interesting. Ohio State has won its past two games against maryland who they're obviously facing by a combined score of 139 to 31 those are the past two games ohio state has put up on maryland so number two ohio state you've got maryland who's six and four and this matchup shows i see a minus 27 and a half so 27 and a half favorite to osu right now so uh thor what do you think
1: hard lean towards the home dog here i i don't trust that ohio state team at all i think they're ripe for a bad spot i'm i'm not saying that like i don't know that maryland's going to give them the scare here i I think where ohio state is going to take their loss it's it's against michigan but this team has a lot of flaws and they're starting to come to the fore um this past week you had travion henderson uh get injured and and Mayan williams Um, He he also got injured and I'm sorry, Travion Henderson didn't play in the game. Then Mayan Williams gets hurt. I've been talking all year about the dearth of running back depth at Ohio State. And like this team cannot afford to have either Travion or Mayan get injured. And now both of them are um they need to figure out like if if one of those guys can play if not we got to go now deep on the depth chart Evan Pryor he's out for the season uh with with an injury that he had over the summer he hadn't played in one game so they're they're sort of already like right now they're in this precarious spot with their running back depth obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba has been on a milk carton all year and also CJ Stroud his counting stats are way above the the phylum of where his Actual play has been like if you compare his TD int ratio to his PFF big time throw against turnover worthy play ratio the the even though his counting stats have not dropped off the latter has that the. the those sort of it, it, advanced metrics, whatever um, he's putting the ball up from, for grabs more often um, this, this year, the big time throws that hasn't fallen off. It, it's that the, the, the turnover worthy plays have doubled. And when, when they play a good defense, that's where it's going to manifest. Maryland's defense has gotten a little bit better. Um, but, you know, can they they take full advantage of that to the point where they could upset them? I, you know, I'm not sure about that. But because of the depreciation there on the skill set, uh, you know, with the skill positions of Ohio State and, and getting uh, line value on this game, my line being um, Ohio State minus 21.6. So I'm showing some serious line value on Maryland. I don't trust this Ohio State team anyway. I definitely hard lean towards Maryland.
0: Do you, and this is too early. This will be something you'll cover uh, midweek. But do you think there could be any lean to the under uh, at sixty-four that's currently lined up for this game?
1: Potentially, yeah. Okay. Potentially, I you know got to get in there and handicap that one. But yeah, I mean Ohio State, the the explosive offenses that you think of in your mind from these past couple years, I I, I think when they get resistance uh, for you know from from an opposing defense, that's where the whole thing comes down. So I mean, can. Can Maryland put that up? Um, Maryland also has the good uh, passing offense, but obviously Ohio State's got some guys in the secondary. So,
0: yeah, we'll get into that handicap. Tell you what, if um, we hadn't seen that Justin Jefferson catch this weekend, everyone might have just been talking about Marvin Harrison. That might have just been the play all weekend on that footwork he had on the (laughs) sidelines. Ridiculously good weekend of catching, by the way. I love me some receivers, and I love me some Marvin Harrison. Um, We've got Illinois... Uh, playing up against Michigan, number three, Michigan, 10-0. Michigan is coming off of a 34-3 win over Nebraska. Illinois was 21 going into last week, is knocked off of there what do we think on this game here for michigan uh 17 point favorite michigan is up against illinois uh, again is that is that line seem does it seem a little low i guess you're going to tell us on your adjusted line here
1: it definitely does my my line on that is michigan minus 21 hard lean towards michigan in, in in that one the weird thing about it is illinois is the team that has the injury concerns in this game so it shouldn't be depressed that way Illinois' most important player, Chase Brown, their running back, their star running back, who's already amassed over, you know, through 3,000 career yards, and I, I think this year he might even be leading the nation in, in rushing, or at least he was heading into last week. He got injured at the very end of their upset loss to Purdue. Illinois is already sort of – the bloom is sort of off that rose these past couple of weeks. People are starting to figure out how to play Illinois, and they've taken s- some of these losses. Now they lose their their hammer back. Um, Brett Bielema would not give us any indication of Chase Brown's status after that game. So I don't have any information outside of that outside of Chase Brown suffered a right leg injury that didn't look great. He, he needed help getting off the field didn't return, obviously. So I mean, if, if Illinois out Chase Brown in this game, they are up Crabs Creek without a paddle. It, it's it's the one thing that they could use to get um, their offensive efficiency against Michigan potentially. Without him, it's like it's Tommy DeVito without any skill talent around him. So I don't even know how Illinois is going to move the ball at that point. And the Michigan offense, we're starting to trust them more and more. Blake Corum, obviously next-level stud. Edwards is a stud. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, I'm starting to trust him more and more, um, unlocking some more explosive plays out of the passing game than we've seen in the past definitely a hard lean towards Michigan. And I'm very surprised that that line is under 21 because that's what my adjusted line is.
0: This might be one of those. then we want to grab right now might want to grab uh, even if you're going to play a little bit at even 17. Over. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cause you get it at the key number and the market isn't going to bat this or, I mean, they're not going to pull it under 17. So at the 17 number, that's, that's the
0: buy sign for sure. Okay, uh, SEC matchup number five, Tennessee, who's nine and one, going up against South Carolina, six and four. Good SEC matchup. Tennessee has been a good payday uh, the last couple of weeks. So, what say you on uh, on Tennessee? Yeah, and especially because Josh Heupel, now we know that he's going to put the style points on at the end. So th-
1: that's something you got to, you know, consider both with that when you're handicapping the sides of the Tennessee games going forward, but also the totals. Josh Heupel is going to be looking to score on every single drive, even if he's up thirty points at the, you know, in the end in the fourth quarter. The uh, the Missouri game, I found it so funny they, they were calling timeouts at the end, and then they they scored their last touchdown with like twenty seconds left. Tennessee did. Just trying to put the style points on. You're going to see that in positions where Tennessee has an opportunity to do it because it's in their best interest, right? Like, I mean, they they need to make the case because they don't really control their own destiny with that. So yeah, obviously you have to win out, but you also have to win by the style points to improve your odds of getting in if that scenario presents itself. Um, so, I mean, that's on the one side with uh, South Carolina last week. They, they well, it, it wasn't necessarily they disappointed me. It's that they lied to me. Shane Beamer said on Tuesday that Marshawn Lloyd, their star running back was fully healthy. He had returned to practice. He was going to play on Saturday and then he doesn't play against Florida. Not only that Christian Beale Smith didn't play either. Um, South Carolina, like now you would you would think because Beamer said that now we're you know, that's a week plus ago, you know, and stuff like that. You would think now that Marshawn Lloyd would be ready for this game. But again, like after Beamer lied to me last week, I, I gonna have to do a little bit more digging on that if South Carolina or I should say when when South Carolina does not have Marshawn Lloyd their offense comes way down Spencer Rattler cannot do it on his own um he he sort of gets flabbergasted when he has to and and everything's on him or whatever but South Carolina when they have Marshawn Lloyd their running game is really really good it would be the one sort of knife that they can bring to this gunfight against uh, against tennessee if L- lloyd's playing again but if lloyd's out and beal smith is out again this is a real problem for south carolina so it's a status check
0: on on south carolina handicap friends if you want a chance to win a signed t higgins the cincinnati Bengals helmet courtesy of our friends over at pristine auction all you got to do is subscribe to the betting pros youtube channel right now comment below on this video and that's it We'll be announcing a winner right here on this channel, so make sure to turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when episodes are up and you can claim your prize, so go and do it today. Right now, my friends, we have got some big boy Pac-12 action coming up this weekend this is what I'm all about always uh, born and raised around all these teams uh, out here ASU never does anything but I've got uh, family and alma mater for uh, Cal and UCLA and whatnot and the big dog we've got number eight USC who's nine and one going up against number 12 UCLA with an eight and two record this should be a good one what do you got on uh, this Pac-12 action Thor
1: I got to lean towards UCLA because of where this line is. It it, it feels like, you know, the market, they didn't want to believe in USC. They didn't want to believe in USC. They didn't want to believe in USC. But now they get this opportunity where, you know, USC only has the one loss and now UCLA looked bad last week. It's like, oh, now let's everybody believe in, in USC. I think this line is off from from where it ought to be. My adjusted line in that game is USC minus 1.3. I basically think it should be pretty close to a pick-up, whereas the the market is, is you know, 5.5 is what I saw before, where, where they had dropped it. USC by 5.5 on the road. Uh, I, I'm taking UCLA, and I understand why, why people are, have some trepidation with that after what we saw of UCLA last week. You know, UCLA had just been rolling, 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 coming in, and then, I don't know if they overlooked Arizona or what was going on there, but um, they obviously had a had a very poor showing in there, and then USC held serve. So the the the, line, the the discrepancy doesn't really surprise me, but if you think UCLA is not showing up for this game, welcoming in Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans, they're the bad guys. They're the villains. UCLA will be absolutely locked in, and probably all the more so because of the loss to Arizona. We already knew that the Arizona game for UCLA, it was a look-ahead spot. What was UCLA looking forward to? It was this game against USC. This is their Super Bowl. So for, for me, I'm going to be back in the Bruins with that, that one, getting these, what I feel like is excessive points for the home dog.
0: And this is the highest over under total of any of the top 25 games, 25 uh, teams here with a, I currently see it at 73 and a half points, which looks like it's about 10 points higher than any other game I'm seeing right now, Thor.
1: Yeah. And both these defenses are atrocious and both these offenses are awesome. Um, I'm almost surprised it ain't even a little bit higher. You know, I mean, we've seen, we've seen some of these games, you know, the past weekend, what was it? um, Wake Forest against uh, UNC and then we had uh, Washington against Oregon where you had like totals in the mid seventies or high seventies, whatever. I would expect that total to drop in the, in the mid seventies or maybe even the the higher seventies and maybe by kickoff, that's where it'll be.
0: Uh, we The other uh, Pac-12 action we've got is number 10, Utah, and now number 12, Oregon. Both teams are 8-2. and two. They're both 6-1 and one in the Pac-12. Oregon coming off of a huge upset. Washington, 37-34. Utah is coming off of a 42-7 win over Stanford. So these teams both inside the top 15. Utah, Oregon, what have you got on it? I, I lean
1: Utah on that one. Uh, Utah, Utah is a team that can travel for sure. Uh, Oregon, you know, they, they, they're getting back to, um, you know, home here. Um, the My line on this game is Oregon minus 0.6 points, so so basically a pick them In the market right now, it's Oregon minus 2.5. I'm going to be, you know, we, we talked about some of the games where I, I'm pulling the trigger now. This is one where I'm going to wait a little bit because at the 2.5 line, if that thing toggles to 3 or maybe even a, above, you know, we'll see um, obviously you get more value on Utah if you wait and and that you know Utah's the side that, that that I want in that one Utah has looked very good uh in, in in recent weeks and it's sort of gone under the radar because of some of the opponents that they played and also because they they took the two two losses before um but they're playing really really well Cam Rising you know who had been out before he's back the running game now it's they're starting to do different stuff with it where before they were just given all the usage of Tavian uh Thomas now they're they've got sort of a stable of backs. Where, you know disparate skill sets and stuff like that sort of diver- diversifying the, the skill sets in, in, in the backfield it's made their offense a little bit more interesting and I like the Utah uh, defense of course and 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 I feel like Kyle Whittingham and crew are going to be able to solve the the puzzle that is Bo Nix which some of these crappier uh, Pac-12 defenses could not but Bo Nix did not have the game that everybody was expecting against Washington's dog Crap defense yesterday. Uh, Bonix, like the, the final stats were okay for him, but like against that that rough shot Washington defense, you just expected every single drive for Oregon to score. It, it was obviously not that way. And when you think about Bonix, his history in the SEC, whenever he was playing the, the defenses that jumped up, that's where you would get what I would cu- what I refer to as bad bow. I think this might be a bad bow spot. There's some people in the market, I think, that think that Oregon's going to bounce back from from the showing against against Washington and obviously Washington they had a bit of a trump card in that matchup of of the Washington passing attack going against the the shoddy Oregon secondary but Utah can throw the ball as well Um, they're not as pass happy as Washington for sure but I do think they're going to have success with that I also think they're going to be able to take advantage uh, of of the Oregon defensive front in terms of hammering them I'm I'm taking the uh, the away dog in that one
0: if you saw this get to Oregon minus three and a half and you've got the hook, would this be a pounce on Utah if you got the hook? Smash. Smash, smash Utah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like your face said it all. Your face, uh, like you you almost couldn't smile. Yeah, You, know, like, you know, smash, smash. Yeah, smash. I mean, and, and, and that's
1: what I'm waiting for. You know, w- with it at two and a half, the, the great thing, as someone who believes in Utah in this spot, you have that leeway, right? Because this thing could drop to two. It could drop to one and a half. I don't care, one. It doesn't matter that way, but if it goes anywhere, if it toggles the other way, now we're in business because now we're getting more value every half point it jumps up at three, at three and a half, uh, four, maybe. You know, I mean, who knows? We we don't know what the market's going to do with this game, but absolutely, if if you believe in Utah in this one, you wait on this one. If you if you believe in Oregon, you bet it now while well, while well, it's 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 beneath the three.
0: All right. uh, The one team that did make a move or the number one team to make a move inside the top 10 was LSU. They moved up to six. LSU is going to be hosting UAB, but LSU is only a 14 and a half point favorite at home. LSU is eight and two. UAB is five and five. This stinks. Why does this smell? Why does this smell of only two touchdowns for the sixth best team in the nation versus a five and five UAB, Thor?
1: Well, so so UAB, uh, they're a team, you know. So they were awesome, and they they've been awesome since since the program came back. But when th- they've been good this season, up until when their starting quarterback Dylan Hopkins got hurt in when they were playing Western Kentucky, and then their offense immediately went into the tank, and it remained in the tank until Dylan Hopkins came back the, the, this past week. But they lost all three of those games, Western Kentucky, and then the the two after that with Jacob you know, their backup quarterback starting. Jacob's, you know, just, he, he doesn't scare anyone in the pocket. He makes mistakes. He doesn't have pocket awareness. He doesn't have accuracy, et cetera. But with, with Dylan, you add Dylan Hopkins, you get the passing efficiency and a bit of passing explosion out of him as well to go with the Dwayne McBride led uh, rushing attack, which is one of the G five's best and UAB. I mean, th- this going back several years since they reinstituted their program, they always have one of the G five's best defenses. They're a tough team to play. I'm not going to say that they're live on the road here, but you would be remiss if you didn't say that LSU has not looked good. I mean, last week they didn't look good uh, when you know against uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, a team that was playing their backup quarterback, you know KJ Jefferson, unexpectedly, you know, uh, in inactive heading into that game. Arkansas had to start Malik Hornsby, a guy that they trust so little in the pocket that they were they moved his positions over the off season, and then they had to move him back because the other quarterback Arkansas brought in that they thought was going to be their back quarterback, Cade Fortin, he can't throw, and he's a pocket passer. He don't move. So it's like Arkansas just didn't have anything, whatever. Um, and, and LSU just sort of pulled by them um, in this, you know, one of the worst games to watch that you'll ever see, um, mostly because Brian Kelly's a good coach. I mean, it, it, it was a classic letdown spot. LSU did play like crap. I mean, they absolutely played to that letdown spot moniker. Um, but they were they were just able to pull it out because that's what Brian Kelly's done in some of these things. But laying over fourteen nap points, you wonder if this LSU team's starting to get tired. You know, I mean, I mean beyond you know last week's you know performance, whatever. Like, I mean, before that, they they had all these these marquee games, and LSU also at this point getting ready um, for the stretch run. Are they are they even capable of putting margin on on, on an opponent that's a game uh, a game underdog? I don't know about that. Um, that, That's one where I'm going to be investigating that one uh, pretty closely and trying to get the gauge of UAB psychology of this game. Is this game that they view as we're going to throw the kitchen sink in or UAB sitting at 5-5, and they need the one win to get into the bowl. Are they going to sort of pull it back in this one and then put all the eggs in the basket of the last game in order to get bowl eligible? we we need to parse sort of the quotes we're getting from the coaches and what we're hearing from the beat reporters. And and that's what that handicap is going to be about for me.
0: And last week, by the way, the LSU game, I think was one of the more heavy bet sharp plays on Arkansas as a LSU, I think was mine as a four and a half point favorite. And they obviously could not cover in that just offensive slog of a game. Yeah. They,
1: against those crappy Arkansas backup quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. yeah but yeah, no it was a bad not. spot, but they, yeah. they, they got it done. They did get up. it done. No cover. Yeah. Um, Miami coming up against Clemson 10 and 0 Clemson Uh, they've kind of been up and down as far as where we're on the bets where are you on on the bets it's a 19 and a half point favorite for Clemson right now they're 9 and 1 7 and 0 in ACC action Miami though is 3 and 3 a 5 and 5 team coming in almost a almost a 20 dog here what do you think (laughs)
1: It's a fair line. My my line on that game is Clemson minus 17.9, but you have to factor in all the injuries we've seen on the Miami side. They've all these different positions that have been decimated all year. Um it's 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 been a slog for Miami and I think Miami's about ready to pack it in. So this this might be the game for Clemson to just absolutely flog this this decimated Miami team. That's what, to me, explains the point-and-a-half discrepancy between my line and what the Vegas line is right now. For me, that that one would be Clemson or pass. If if Miami was – if they were even capable of rising up in one of these matchups, we would have seen it by now. I, I do not expect Clemson to shock – or, I'm sorry, for Miami to shock the world and keep this one close or, or put a scare into Clemson.
0: If you guys are looking for free picks, player props, or breakdowns on almost every game that college football's got to offer, you can join Thor and Mike Farrell for Game Day Live presented by DraftKings each and every Saturday starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. If you got questions you need answered, our team of experts are going to be live for 90 minutes of nonstop action leading up to kickoff. So join the live stream, toss your questions in the chat, get your answers, and make sure you guys are subscribed to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right here so you guys are going to be notified and turn on the notifications of any time new shows are in, because this is just the look-ahead. You're going to get all the full breakdowns coming up this week. And uh, don't take college football for granted. It's almost gone. It's almost away from you. You only got a couple more full-on weeks, and you're going to have bowl season. The next thing you know it, you're going to be trying to figure out if you're going to be, you know, betting on Olympic women's hockey, or you're going to be betting on uh, table tennis. I mean, college football, get get it in while you can. So make sure you follow Thor on Twitter at ThorKU. You can follow me on Twitter at Welsh if you would fancy. And uh, make sure you follow Betting Pros at Betting Pros on uh, the Twitter and the social media. Friends, that's all that we have for you for The Look Ahead. We'll talk to you guys next week right here on Betting Pros College Football Look Ahead. Bye until then, friends.